Good morning, everyone. I wonder if you could turn in your scriptures to uh, Psalm 68 and also in, into, uh, uh, hold your finger in there and also turn to Ephesians chapter 4. My aged mother has been informing me several times each week that she is sure she has lost a set of her glasses. And she can't, as she can't see well enough with the other three pair that she has uh, to see her world with. Uh, the one pair that she misses is the one that has a line through the center as in the, as in the image on the screen. And uh, that helps her to see with, uh, for those of you who are not bifocally trained yet, uh, at our age we, we know a little bit about it. But uh, when you look at the, underneath that, uh, Line you can see clearly at one focal distance, and when you see uh, above the top part of the glasses or at the top of the glasses, uh, you uh, have another focal length to to work with. Uh, that's what's before us this morning. Is uh, we're praying for the ability to see from two dimensions, a two dimensions perspective. Below the line, we're trying to see and understand what is in our lives by nature, and above the line to see uh, what is there for us from God as spiritual. The uh, topic that we're working with, of course, is spiritual gifts. Uh, We're in the series of uh, the 17th session of the Believe series, and we're working through the practices that are appropriate for Christians. And through this practice, we hope to learn something about the spiritual gifts that uh, God has has given. The key idea, and I would like us to read it aloud so it uh, gets into our minds and stays there, hopefully, for some period of time. Let's read it aloud together. I know my spiritual gifts and use them to fulfill God's purpose. Uh, With the key idea of comes the key question, what gifts and skills has God given me uh, to serve others? We'll spend a little bit of time on skills, but mostly on spiritual gifts, but I'll try and help us to see how those uh, two can work together. And then the key verse comes from this uh, chapter that we've been referencing several times in the music, is from Romans chapter 12. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him prophesy in proportion uh, to his faith. Let's just pray briefly together. Dear God, our Father, we are keenly aware of the need for the Holy Spirit's help this morning. We are deeply aware of the fact that the subject before us is one which every person here this morning cannot see clearly without the enabling provisions that only he can give. We are keenly aware of our need for you to open our minds and hearts, as well as to provide the strength to resolve, to recognize, develop, and use the spiritual gifts for your purposes, for your honor, for your glory in our biblical community here at BFA. Amen. We've been singing about the story, the fantastic story that is ours in this world. 
the gifts from God are innumerable and they are varied. I'd just like us to skip through a few of them as we have been singing them as well. Uh, there is the gift of creation by our God. He is the giver. He is the maker. He's the sustainer of the universe. And the recipient of that gift is every human being. The treasuring this gift is uh, for this life and we treasure it because he made it and it teaches us uh, about himself in particular as the book of Romans says, his divine power and his majesty, his invisible attributes are known in creation to everyone who would observe uh, creation. The second gift that is given to every person on the, on the planet is the word of God. It's a gift to us all to read and to understand who God is, what he has done, what his story has been from the beginning of the creation of man uh, through to our situation Uh, before him uh, today. As we saw in the story, he is a relentlessly pursuing God who desires a people for himself to be in relationship and fellowship with him and to live a life that's pleasing for him in preparation for our eternity with him. In the Old Testament story of God and man, the story of sin uh, comes along very soon into the history of man, as we all know. The Old Testament story is the, is the introduction to what it takes for every man and every woman to become saved from their sin. Last week, uh, our brother Jim gave a summary of how God dwelt in the midst of the people in the tabernacle and later in the, in the temples to, uh, to dwell with people as his primary objective in creation, uh, creation of them. In the New Testament, of course, we have the story of salvation. Our Lord comes down from heaven to the earth, uh, not only teaches men and women by his teaching and by his example, but he told us his purpose in coming was to be named Jesus to save his people uh, from their need of salvation, uh, to save them from their, uh, from their sin. So there is the first of the gifts that are offered to all, but their recipient The recipient of those gifts is those who believe and have faith in him. So if any of us are here who uh, we need to lay this foundation, if you are not a Christian, then what we are saying uh, as we go along this morning will mean less and less to you. But if you don't have the Lord as your Lord and Savior, uh, that's okay. But continue to listen and see what uh, riches God has for those uh, who are his. This is an important structural verse for understanding how God worked in the Old Testament and works differently in the New Testament when he told them it would happen and what happens uh, from then on uh, after he left this earth. And this verse is, and there's many of them that say similar things, but John was teach, pardon me, Jesus was teaching in the upper room ministry just before he went to the cross and he says this about the coming spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will live in you. And that's all about Pentecost. There's a time coming when, uh, when, when Pentecost would come, the Spirit would come particularly, and uh, uh, be with the people of God as he, as he planned them. First of all, this was a word of comfort and encouragement, but it was also the marking of, of a new age. 
Uh, as we summarize these gifts from God on one slide, uh, last week, the second last uh, one in Red's Life in His Body, our brother Jim again talked about that. And uh, that is a gift from God for every Christian again, as is the coming of the Holy Spirit, as is the spiritual gifts we'll be talking about. So the recipient now is no longer every person, but it's unique to the people of God that are his. And we say all, I just want to underline that we are saying all of this with immense humility and, and no sense of pride about what God has gifted us with in his variety of gifts uh, to be used only for his, his glory. I've got a section here called Treasuring His Gift, which we won't deal with fully, but these are things when a gift is given that we treasure them. Uh, and we are to treasure all these in very particular ways. Last week, Jim had it rather easy as a speaker. He talked about the prodigal son who came home and, as it were, he was redeemed from his old life. And he came to a party, a celebration. And that's all good. And I'm just having some fun here. My job today is much more difficult because once the party's over, we have to get to work. And that's what we're trying to do this morning. So now don't leave, anybody. The door is locked. In going through a topic in the scriptures, it's, it's often handy to use those uh, interpretive questions, uh, the questions that prompt our analytical method of going through the, the various verses that are there for us to learn. And the questions, you know them well, who, what, where, when, why, and maybe a few others. Our topic this morning is going to be covered by these questions. Uh, what is the nature of this gift? What are the spiritual gifts? How are they defined? How are they distributed? What is their purpose? And what is, this, what is in that spiritual resource chest, the treasure chest that's there uh, for Christian people. Then there's an exam question. Who? Me? And the second question is, and it's in the context of biblical community, who or what are we? So get your pen and paper together because uh, when we come to that question, uh, the test question, you'll have some exercises to do. No one's doing it. <laughs> I can see that. Oh, we have one. It operates his, uh, his uh, whatever it is, whatever device that is to write on. What is a spiritual gift? Very simply put, it's God's endowment of a special ability for service upon each member of the body of Christ. It's a, it's a divine enablement in the way that we are to serve him. And I know you're all thinking, well, where is yours today, Phil? We'll do our best under the guidance of the Spirit. How is it different from a talent? Hannah has a tremendous talent. I'm just making sure she's paying attention here. Uh, she has a tremendous talent for playing the piano and her husband on guitar. A gift may include the talent, but it goes beyond that. We all want to delicate devote all of ourselves to him in all of the things that he's given. A talent is often something we've been given from birth and it's developed in a particular way. And when we want to talk about spiritual gifts, we can overlay our talents or underlay our talents more appropriately with the spiritual gifts that we've been given and use them to God's glory. 
they often fit together, but they are different. A spiritual uh, gift is given from God at the time of our conversion, and a talent we tend to be born with. And I'm not going into the DNA of it all. I'll let you study those things. What about a personality attribute? The introvert versus the extrovert. That's, again, something we kind of have from birth. It's developed in particular ways as we uh, develop in our families. Some of us born an extrovert, they try to stamp it out of it, us, us a little bit. Some of us an introvert, they try to, parents try to draw it out of us a little bit. But it's, it's different from a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is something that God gives and we have from the time of our conversion. How is it different from an office of the church? Elder or deacon are some of the offices talked about in scripture, deaconess, so on. The Holy Spirit provides gifts that are different from the office we occupy, but the gifts are such that they enable us to do the work that God has called us to in a particular sphere. What is a spiritual gift? It's a divine enablement uniquely given to each Christian in the body of Christ. So let's, we've covered this a little bit, but let's look at it from Ephesians chapter 4. You have it uh, open, I think. But to each one of us, that's the biblical evidence for the spiritual gift being given to every Christian. Paul is addressing the church. He's not addressing only the elders or the pastor teacher or individuals. He's addressing the body of Christ. And he says to us all, each one of you has this grace from God this particular gift to serve him in a particular way of his enabling. Then he, the Apostle Paul goes back to Psalm chapter 68 and, and brings forward this idea. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. I'd like us just to go back and look at, at this picture that's being given in, Psalm, in the psalm, because it's very powerful to understand what's going on. In the book of Psalms, it says, it, it, you need to read the whole chapter, but verse 18, when you ascended on high, you led captives in your train. You received gifts from men, even from the rebellious, that you, O Lord God, may dwell there. The primary application of, that as, at the time of writing for King David was he is describing what happened to him as the king as he moved forward through the various phases of God's leading through Sinai, through the desert, uh, through the mountains of the promised land into Jerusalem. And then he, he provides for God this dwelling place, or this is his picture. He provides this dwelling place where God dwells in the Mount Zion, Mount Jerusalem, from which to reign and rule and be with his people. Now, the background of this story is, first of all, King David. But secondly, it's a story about how ancient kings, when they won a battle, would go in and they win it. They go, they go around in the enemy neighbors, neighborhoods and they pick up all their treasures, their gold, their silver, and their, their valuables. They bring it back to the victorious people and distribute those gifts. That's the picture that Paul is talking about when he talks about spiritual gifts. So when we go back to Ephesians chapter 4, but to each one of us grace has been given. Christ, when he came, now the son of David, 
He's picking up from the psalm as a messianic psalm. He's saying that I have come. Jesus is saying, I have come down from, my he- on the, from the heaven on high to walk with you, teach you, to die for you. And in dying for you, I have conquered all of the enemies of God at Calvary. And in that conquering, in this vanquishment, he rose from the dead. And as a result of his, his victory over death and over the enemies of God, he is now the risen Lord, ascended on high, and then distributing gifts to each and every one of the Christian people. Isn't that a tremendous, uh, tremendous picture that starts us off on this, uh, on this topic? Who is the giver? The giver is the Lord, ascended on high, continuing to do his work, bidding us to come and worship him and serve him in the way that he has asked us to. What about the receiver? I just want to highlight this from the various passages, and you may want to note those for further study, uh, because uh, each of these is are references from the topic of spiritual gifts. We've already read Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. But to each one of us, to every believer. Secondly, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one, just as he determines. 1 Peter 4 and 10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's gifts in its various uh, forms. I'd like us also to read Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all of their lives were held in slavery by fear of death. He overcame them all, leading captivity captive, the forces that held man in captivity, and now distributes spiritual gifts to his people. The giver is the ascended Lord, and each one of us is the recipient. There's some conclusions from this that we need to draw that are very important to us in this study. If, then, you are a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. It is divinely given according to God's own will and purpose for you. This personalizes our work of service for the Lord, doesn't it? We come with him with, to him with our talents. We can build a building. We can paint a wall. We can hang a door. We can, we can play a guitar. But once we serve him, we are seeking to engage our talents, our abilities, our personality, our whole being as an offering to God and serve him in the unique way that he has called us to serve. And I hope that message is, uh, is clear. It's true that we perhaps may have more than one spiritual gift. Not likely for me, you say, I know. But many, many have multiple gifts. The Apostle Paul had many gifts. He had the gift of teaching, to be sure. He had the gift of prophecy, to be sure. And we could certainly have the gift of faith and so on. Perhaps more than one gift you have to work with. And you may have one that's latent that you haven't yet explored and you... Uh, that means that every every Christian is at a different uh, maturity with respect to the, with the spiritual gifts uh, that they they may have been given. 
Something that humbles us all, of course, is you don't have them all. You are part of the body and you rely on one another in their giftedness to uh, be, uh, be part of God's will and purpose. Obviously, your gift is essential. It's, this is not a topic this morning for us to ignore. It's, it's extremely important in God's eyes. He has given us this gift. We are to use it for him. He's given us the gift of a ch- child. We don't ignore that child. We treasure that child. We seek to develop that child and bring that child up to maturity. Spiritual gifts are like that. They're a treasure from God. They're given for us personally to use uh, in his service. I want to make one other point, and I don't want to argue about differences in views on, on this this morning, but when you look through the gifts, you will find that not one has been given to all. Every person has been distinctly and differently uh, given gifts by, by God, and not one of them is for, is for everyone. Churches get off track on this a little bit. Maybe they use the wrong language and biblical terms. But it's extremely important that we recognize that not one gift uh, is to be for everyone. That brings us to the question, what is the purpose of spiritual gifts? And again, for the sake of time, I put together a little chart that should show us uh, what, these, what the purposes are. To prepare God's people for works of service. I want us to notice right away that the purpose of a spiritual gift is not for your edification. It's not for your glory. It, we have our private times in, for example, teaching. We have to do our preparation, so we have our personal times, and we are built up as we do it. But the purpose for which God has given that gift is for the edification, for the building up, for the encouragement, for the exhortation of others. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity. Our work isn't done, right? We are not all at that level that we could describe as being spiritually mature uh, in God's eyes and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is his, his, uh, his God's view of the church, what he wants it to be. This is the preparation ground for the perfection that will be in heaven. And one of the enabling aspects of our lives is the spiritual gifts that he uh, gives us to do this work for him in his body. 1 Corinthians 12.7 these gifts are given for the common good. 12.11 All these are the, are the work of one and the same Spirit. Speaking of unity, right? And he gives them to each one just as he determines. It's his will by which these are given. In fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them uh, to be. The purpose of the gifts. <clears throat> The, uh, it's a shame that we don't have a lot more time, but I've provided for us the list of the gifts that are found in these primary uh, chapters. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4 could uh, reference the sphere of speaking and serving gifts, which summarizes a lot of these gifts in different ways, uh, but that's another exercise. Those, If you add this up, there's something like 22 and And there may be more gifts that aren't specifically listed here in other parts of Scripture, for example, celibacy and some other areas. But and it's not to say these are these are titles. They are mixed a specific in a specific recipe for each of us, combining our talents 
our personal attributes, as we talked about before, and the spiritual gifts given to uh, work in, in, uh, for the Lord in our own personal, uh, with the, in, in light of our own personal calling. I do want to emphasize, and I've done it in red here, that in each of these chapters, uh, spiritual gifts are a love gift. Or the, the first of the spiritual gifts is the gift of love from God. And that's listed as a gift in particular ways in these various chapters. Or as, an, or as a follow-on or a header command by the Apostle Paul or Peter. Our primary work is the work of God's love to demonstrate his nature and his character through the way that we serve him in love. If we are away from love, 1 Corinthians 13 says it very clearly, you're like a, well, I shouldn't point to Dave's drums here, but a tinkling sing, a cymbal or an empty gong. Without the love of God, our work is, is uh, for nothing. This is a list, list of the gifts. I, I've highlighted some that are repeated in the various uh, chapters. It doesn't necessarily speak of uh, a priority. It just speaks of the particular writer's purpose in his particular chapter. There is, there is a sense in which spiritual gifts may have had a primary meaning at the time. And that primary meaning may be uh, example today in sort of a secondary way. Let me give you an example of that. The gift of apostleship. That had a very clear definition in the time of Christ. And we would, many of us would conclude that we don't have apostles the way that the Bible defines them at the time. But we would recognize that there are secondary apostles, those who are sent out with a particular mission Empowered by God for a particular calling, a missionary may fall into that category, for example, a church builder may fall into that category, and so on. So there are some of these that had specific meanings at the time and uh, different meanings over time that may still apply for us uh, as part of the time-phased use of God uh, by these things. But that's a totally separate topic, but I just thought I would introduce it to you. The... A couple of observations on spiritual gifts from this, this list that uh, we would want to just highlight quickly. Uh, not only is, are they underlined and underpinned by God's love, but uh, and not only driven by the purpose of, uh, for God's people of bringing maturity, spiritual maturity in Christ to the whole body of, of Christ. Uh, in, there are some that are, need to be defined as being related to specific responsibilities that every Christian has. And I'm going to, I wish Mark was here today, but uh, the example would be evangelism. Each and every Christian has been given by God the responsibility of sharing their faith, being ready to give an answer for our faith and teaching others about our faith. All of us are to be evangelists. So then what is the gift of evangelism that's listed here? Evangelism fits under the category and purpose of the church body, which is equipping the saints to evangelism. That's the, the way these two things fit together, at least in my mind. The special gift from God is the gift to equip others to use their responsibility in uh, evangelizing and sharing their faith. Another example could be uh, faith. We're all called to live a life of faith. From The righteous shall live from faith to faith says Paul. That applies to all of us. The gift of faith might be someone different who 
has a particular uh, capability to encourage others in their faith and so equip the body of Christ. I think that's, uh, for the sake of time, all we can do there. We need to get to our exam questions. Who, me? What is your spiritual gift? If you don't think you know it and can write it down based on that list, it's time to spend some time before the Lord and seek his mind in terms of what did God implant in my life and in its development once known how to commit to it. How am I using uh, my gifts uh, for him? There's fewer things in the Christian life that could be of higher priority than understanding this gift that God has given to you or gifts. This discovery of your spiritual gift will serve as a signpost on your life. How to focus. You can't do everything. You can't be everything. Even if you're willing to do things, you have to focus on what God has called you to do and equipped you to do, and at least in part, Uh, through your gifts. It should be a priority in your life, self-evidently. It also, in Romans 12, there's an observation from Romans 12 that's very interesting. It says, don't think higher of yourself than you ought to think, but don't underthink what God has called you to be either. Uh, Doubt and discouragement are tools of the enemy. And God has called us to recognize that when we serve him, it's not about how others respond to us, Well, it's partly the fruit-bearing of a good teacher. People should understand what was taught. But it's not the main objective. The main objective is to do what God has called you to do. And don't let discouragement or doubt or the criticism of others fall in your way. Uh, It is uh, uh, self-acceptance. It helps us in our self-acceptance before God. We've already talked about aligning our talents, our attributes, our personal characteristics to the gifts that God has given If you have yet to develop your spiritual gift, I've got a quick checklist for you uh, as to how you may go about that. First of all, initiated by prayer, Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are, whatsoever things are, uh, they are to be done, first of all, for him. They are enlightened by study. It's good to... Uh, If you think you have the gift of teaching, to go to other teachers, learn from them, study from them, and be prepared to uh, read and to work hard at understanding what you have uh, to teach others. Uh, I said earlier it was proved, your your spiritual gift is proved by ability. And it, in some part, by the response uh, of others. But it's primarily between you and the Lord. If you're seeing others responding positively for the way you help in love, then you may well have the gift of helping in the, in the church and so on. I asked myself the question on behalf of us all, what, what about at BFA? What about spiritual gifts at our biblical community? I've listed three things and I'll close with this slide. No, that's not quite right. Uh, to be committed to the recognition and development of spiritual gifts of each one. Sometimes you go into a church setting, and you've, we've all been in very, a variety of denominations and churches. You get the sense that there's an expert team at the front. And that's no, that's not, we're not talking about BFA here. But there's a trained pastor and his uh, paid people, and that's appropriate in a large church. And I'm not saying negative things about them. But 
their focus uh, even in those settings ought to be the spiritual development of the whole congregation, of the whole body of Christ at that particular particular place. And we at BFA are committed. We may not do it well, we're maturing in it, but the recognition and development of spiritual gifts of each and every one of us. We want to grow our biblical community as a healthy and fruitful place for God to dwell. And we want to continue to be conscious that we are the people, the body, the building, the bride of Christ on earth, and to live accordingly uh, with, that, with that calling. Our hope is in the divine endowment that God has given to us. It is all founded on Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. He is the rock of our salvation. He is the foundation of our lives. He is the one who has, as the risen Lord, gifted us according to his purpose, so that we, once having received him as Savior and Lord, might live for him powerfully, enabled by the Spirit, to do his will in our midst. And that brings us to our closing uh, song, The Cornerstone. And while they're coming, I just want to say two more things. We have been given treasures. Remember the wise men. They had these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they went right across the country to worship the Lord who had come. Let's commit all of the things we treasure, including spiritual gifts, to the service of the Lord, the risen Lord, in his name. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for just for your love and your guidance and your teaching, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that uh, you'll continue to teach us all. And teach us how to use our spiritual gifts and to identify them and to be strengthened in them. And Lord, I just pray that uh, those of you who don't know you today will uh, find someone who they can talk to and uh, to uh, to meet with you today for the first time, perhaps. And Lord, it's uh, it's in very, very important, Lord, that we uh, fully understand you, fully honor you and and are in you. And, uh, Lord, we know that there is no other way to heaven. There is no other way to salvation. And this was your plan, that we would bow down before your son, Jesus, that he sacrificed himself for us so that we may fully surrender our lives to him, to honor you and to live in you. Lord, help us for that, with that point of the full surrender. Lord, help us to clear our minds and our hearts of all the things that draw us away and hold us to this world and what it offers, Lord, that we fully surrender everything to you, get the distractions out of the way, and serve you and see just how amazing your blessings can be. And Lord, we just thank you for everything you've done for us. Amen.